No longer in apartment 125, but it is surely unfiltered. Welcome back to 125 Unfiltered. I am so happy to be back on the podcast. I know I was gone again for a couple weeks. Two weeks ago, I got really, really sick, wasn't able to do a podcast, wasn't healthy enough. This past week, I had midterms galore, but we're through with both of those. We're back to 100%, and it is just in time because, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about the ACC championships for field hockey and women's soccer. What an awesome episode for me to come back to. We'll get to the NFL later. We'll get to fantasy football later, but right now, we're focusing on the Tar Heels because one ACC championship already secured, and then a big-time matchup in Cary tomorrow at noon women's soccer playing Florida State for the ACC title. Remember, this is a team that did not make the ACC tournament last season for the first time in program history. Now they're back trying to be on top as the one seed going up against Florida State, who has had their number in recent years, especially in the ACC tournament. Let's just get right into it. We're actually going to start with field hockey today because this team deserves all of the flowers. UNC field hockey coming into this game undefeated, 16-0, playing Virginia, North Carolina, the one seed in the ACC tournament, obviously being undefeated. Virginia, the three seed, beating Wake Forest in overtime, I believe. North Carolina got out to uh, a pretty good start. Lisa Slinkert with a goal about 10 minutes in off of penalty corner. Penalty corners were huge today uh, because Riley Heck, just before the first half ended, she scored off of a... Uh, scored off a pass by Sitska Bruning. Uh, so two penalty corner goals. It was a redirect off a penalty sh- shot. Uh, I think from what I remember, she got like her left hand in there holding her stick. And I don't know field hockey that much, but she got it at an angle where the ball just pops up, goes right into the goal. Great pass by Sitska. Great job by Riley to get the goal. Annie McDonough for Virginia did score in the fourth period to make it two to one. But uh, in, in Virginia, it was a great goal. Uh, but Riley Heck made it three to one. Uh, dribbling by the goalie, which is a little confusing why the goalie didn't close out uh, on her. I guess she predicted the pass, and she just waltzed her way into the goal. Laura Jansen for Virginia scored with about a minute 35 left, but the two-goal cushion was enough, and UNC wins 3-2, to two, winning their sixth ACC championship in a row, winning their 25th ACC championship all-time, and Aaron Matson, as she continues a storybook ending ride, is undefeated in the ACC tournament five ACC championships fun fact guys that is the second most in the ACC UNC obviously being first but Aaron Matson has more ACC titles than the entire ACC than any other ACC school I think next up is like Wake Forest with four Aaron Matson just adds to her legacy she played super well in this game even though she did not have a goal Still, her impact was clearly shown. Aaron Matson had seven shots, three on goal. Uh, Matson, Riley Heck, Sitska Bruning did win uh, all ACC uh, all tournament first team along with the MVP Meredith Shoulder. Now I'm actually so happy for Meredith because all season long when you watch this team, Meredith is the glue. She is the player who keeps it, holds everything together. She's the unsung hero. She plays really good defense. She was all, She's defensive player of the year in the ACC. She helps out the offense. She sets up the play. She's not going to show up on the stat sheet, but she does every little thing for this Tar Heel team, and she's arguably their most important player, and that is including Aaron Massim, because obviously Aaron, she's going to get you your goals and assists, but without Meredith, that midfield, it's just not nearly as good on both sides of the ball. Meredith's shoulder 
sixth year, an impressive career. And I'm actually so happy for her that she got this recognition because again, when you do all the little things, you don't always get recognized. And Meredith had a fantastic tournament and she's had a fantastic season. Obviously for Karen Shelton, this is no, uh, nothing new for her. Um, being in this position, you could clearly tell this team was excited. They're ready to go win a national championship. This team is good enough. Uh, that's an understatement, actually. This team has more than they need to go win a natty. They've got the defense. They've got the experience. Good youth in there. The bench really played a big role. Lisa Slinkert uh, with that goal. And then the underclassmen. I mean, you look at this team. You've got Matson Shoulder, who are going to be gone after this year. Orobono is a senior. You've also got um, Peyton Worth, who's a senior. But the underclassmen really playing a big role. I mean, Romeo Ricardo, also senior. This is, this is going to be a big core leaving from this team. But Sitska Bruning, uh, I mean, really impressed with her play. Uh, seeing that a freshman starts a, a, in the midfield spot, very, very impressed. And then, obviously, the freshman Riley Heck and Ashley Sessa. They're going to be the girls that continue the firepower of this program. But also, yeah, uh, Kenny Cliggett is putting in good minutes. Katie Dixon, Siano Ricardo. I mean, this is a team that's deep. They got plenty of talent. Uh, and then, obviously, the goalkeepers. They're still switching off and on between Abigail Taylor and Kylie Walbert. Uh, but I'm I'm very excited to see uh, how this team does in the NCAA tournament. So excited. I finally got a chance to watch them live in action. I mean, what in what environment? Uh, it was at Duke, but there's so many Tar Heel fans there. Where they were excited to, to see uh, the Heels play. Great, uh, great atmosphere after the game. Them all celebrating, uh, but they're clearly, clearly hungry for more. And uh, this this ride is not over for UNC field hockey. It, it, it could be considered just the beginning, but super fun game. Shout out to Virginia. They played a very tough game. Uh, very impressed with how they fought back in in the fourth period. But it, yes, the the goals from Hack really gave UNC a good enough cushion. And obviously, their defense did enough to uh, to win this game. I think the big factor in this game. If you look at the statute and if you watch it, penalty corners. UNC just getting so many more scoring opportunities. They outshot Virginia 18-5, 10-3 in shots on goal. Uh, and if you get 10 penalty corners, you're going to convert one or two of them. Uh, and that's really what happened. Virginia did not get a penalty corner until the fourth period. And then that's when they scored uh, their or one of their goals. Uh, off, off, it might have been both of them off of penalty corner setups. It's I, I didn't realize it until I watched a lot of field hockey, but penalty corner is so valuable because you get advanced numbers you get more numbers on the offensive side of the ball you get pretty much a free shot on goal if you want I mean we saw Matts and Rip it a couple times but you know this is where you're calling your plays these are like your inbound plays uh for all you people out there you know basketball if you play basketball and you're unfamiliar with field hockey think of this as an inbound play and you can really score from those uh, and UNC does a great job running them so I think that was really the big difference because it got them uh, up and early, uh, going up 2-0 at halftime, I think really helped him out because Virginia played him a lot tougher in the second half. They only had one shot in the game through three periods, four in the second, uh, four or four in the fourth period, but Tar Heels take home their sixth ACC tournament in a row, and it, it just further legitimizes Aaron Matson's legacy as one of the greatest Tar Heel athletes ever in the history of Carolina sports. So that was one exciting game. UNC Field Hockey took care of business, and so did women's soccer on Thursday night. Now, this is certainly a bizarre game, and I'm really excited to break this down. Because UNC, in a thriller, in double overtime and in penalty shootouts, UNC beats Duke 7-6 to on PKs. Emily Moxley with the game winner after Emmy Allen's second save of the night clinched it, and man... Was it so fun to see a penalty shootout? And 
how nerve-wracking it was. I mean, everyone was holding their breath. You're on the edge of your seat. I mean, it's just the PK t- uh, kicker. It's just the shooter and the goalie. 1v1. It's as simple as it gets in a game like soccer. And this was really important, I believe. Win or lose, this was good experience for UNC because penalty kicks are going to be a part of their tournament run. Whether it w- tomorrow against Florida State, potentially, and in uh, the big tournament, in the NCAA tournament, you're going to be getting into a penalty shootout. You need to find out who your good PK uh, takers are, and you need your goalie to get experience. But how did UNC get put in this position? Let me explain. Because if you look at, at the stats, UNC dominated 22-7 on shots, 10 shots on goal compared to Duke's three. Duke's goalie had 10 saves, very good, uh, before the PK shootout. But the way Duke played... After the red card by Maggie Graham. If any of you were wondering why UNC couldn't, can't score. Because the simple explanation. And this is what I heard from a few people. And I had to explain to them why this doesn't make Why it, it's deeper than this. But UNC was a man up. How did they not score? Well, here's what Duke did. After they got the red card. Because with 40. I mean, there's still 45 minutes left in the game. And they're trying to give themselves the best shot to win. Duke, with a man down, decided to put eight defenders in the box. What they did is they established a wall, literally all across the field. They are going to say nothing up the middle, no shots in the box. If you're going to cross the ball, we're going to have numbers on you. And they're going to leave Michelle Cooper, offensive player of the year, very dangerous striker, who almost broke free in a, on, a, on, a couple, uh, on a couple balls, especially, it was either at the end of regulation or the end of the first overtime, she had an amazing touch with the outside of her foot. Uh, it almost got through, but Della Rose uh, was able to defend it off. But So with 10 men, Duke has the goalie. They've got eight, pretty much eight defenders. They're sagging back that that much. And you're probably asking, why are they doing that if they're trying to win? Well, obviously you got overtime and penalty kicks. Duke's best chance to win this game was going to penalty shootouts. That was their best shot statistically and analytically to win. Because when you are down a man, it is so hard for you to actually build up offense because of the simple point of their man down. But their defensive strategy really worked. It was a really good defensive game from Duke because UNC really did not have many legit chances. They had a corner kick. I'd say their best two best chances was a corner kick where I believe Tori Hansen uh, had a header on goal, but the Duke defender on the line stopped it. And then Avery Patterson's shot that hit the post with their left with two minutes left in the second overtime period. Those were the best chances, but Sasha that it was shots from way outside the box. That would have been absolute screamers and they weren't going to give up anything easy. And by packing it in pretty much what the game became, became was UNC was just going to be on the offense, but nothing was really going to come of it because they have so many people back. You, you probably saw if you're watching the game, they're just passing around looking for holes in the defense. But when you have eight defenders back, there are not going to be many holes in that defense. Now, if you oppose that to what if they put three, uh, two strikers up there in a midfielder and you, that means you only have what, six in defense against a full 11 for UNC. That's a, it's a nightmare to deal with when you're a man down and this was their best chance to win this game. So that's something that I definitely thought of the game because, yes, it's annoying to watch. It was not the most fun uh, game to watch in regulation, but it gave Duke the best chance to win. And because of that, UNC not being able to score a goal, it's not a bad thing because, like, again, the thought is we didn't score when we were a man down or when we were a man up. That means, like, we didn't play well. I don't really necessarily believe that. I don't think that's the case at all. It's just that the way Duke was playing, it was very difficult to get good, legit scoring opportunities. 
And you got to give credit to Duke. Great strategy there. And UNC just had to keep like picking away and trying to get the shots. And the Patterson shot was so close. I was literally like down in like the lower section. And when Patterson shot it, I was like, man, that's a tough angle with her left foot because it was bending right, going far post from like outside the box on the left side. And it curved and then and it kept going and it went past the goal. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is about to go in. And then just hits the post, bounces the wrong way. Can't get a deflection hit either. So that would have been an, an <laughs> that would have been unbelievable. That place would have erupted because there were a lot of Tar Heel fans there. But if any of you were looking for an explanation why UNC couldn't score on Duke's ten minutes, because it was not eleven versus ten necessarily. It was because you you can't leave like two defenders back on Michelle on, only on Michelle Cooper. You have to put at least three back. They probably did two a couple times, but um, it's the way Duke played defensively, it made the game even. Because if you have have eight attackers going up, if you have seven attackers going up, it's seven UNC offensive players versus eight Dukes, Duke players. And that gives them an advantage defensively, and they had to play for PKs. So that's my breakdown on the game there. Also, Talia Della Peruta's uh, red card, or the second yellow, a really ill-advised tackle. I know you're in the heat of the game, and and this, this is one of my favorite players on the team. I love her game. She brings a big spark off the bench. But if you have a yellow, uh, which I... No came from the Maggie Graham deal with, I mean, given the not so nice double bird to her, I mean, come on, like that's just soft. Like you deserve to be thrown out. That's, that's not okay. During, during the game, obviously it's right in front of the ref. What are you doing? But knowing that you already have a yellow card and they had like a little bit of a breakaway, but I mean, you're in the heat of the moment. You want to make a play, but a slide tackle from behind is a very risky play when you have a yellow. And I'm sure she's, she's going to learn from that obviously. And that, and that was a mistake that really tilted the game back. I, what I thought would be a more even favor, but it just, UNC still stayed on the offensive, but uh, maybe that's also a reason that UNC wasn't able to get a goal through because they didn't have that extra man. That happened in the 73rd minute. Uh, again, uh, if we lose this game, I don't really think that's a reason we lost because it, it would have come down to PK's anyways potentially if we did lose. Um, but obviously, that that is the one really bad play from UNC. But again, it happens. You know, you're you're in the heat of the moment, like I said. You're not necessarily thinking about all that, but with the yellow, I know uh, it, it's hard to keep track of that, but that was the one big mistake I thought. And then PKs. Let's talk about the shootout. As I, bro- I broke down regulation, I feel like, pretty well. Um, I really like the lineup Dorrance has set up for PKs. First off, uh, Emmy Allen. Let's get to her first before we get to the shooters. Emmy Allen really proved herself. I think this was a huge game for her because first off getting PK experience is huge. She's never been in a shootout. She's a red shirt freshman and against your rival with all that pressure on you. And she delivered saving the first shot, setting the tone and saving the one to set up Moxley's game winner. That's huge. That is really, really important. And gaining that confidence I think he's really going to help her moving forward because I think Emily Allen can really grow into an amazing keeper. And this is a big progression here. Two huge saves because, hey, there are penalty shootouts where, you know, if you don't, if you don't, if you're the goalie and you don't stop a say, uh, a goal, you're not going to win. So big credit to Emmy Allen because I, I mean, her and Moxley clearly the stars of uh PK shootout, but uh, I don't even think she's been appreciated as much as, as people are talking about because uh, without Emmy Allen, and how she did that shootout, uh, we're not in this tournament still. But let's get back to the shooters. Tori Hansen first, love it, obviously. Um, she's 5 for 5 on the year. Clearly the best PK taker on the team, good placement. Rachel Jones, I was really surprised by this one because I know Rachel has a good shot. 
but and she's a fifth year, got the experience, been in that position before. But two things. First off, she didn't play in the game. So your first kick in the game is a penalty kick. And we've seen this come back to bite teams like England versus Italy when Jaden Sancho came on with like three minutes left. His pretty much first touch of the game was a PK and he missed. And it happened with another player as well for England and that lost them the, the, the Euro final. It can really come back to bite you. But Rachel Jones clearly ready for the moment. Uh, good enough placement. And these first few shots, Ruthie Jones, goalkeeper for Duke, she got her hands on him. She was close. Uh, but just enough pace, just enough good uh, aiming to, to get it by. Obviously, Sentinor Patterson, great shooters. Sentinor's PK was like a, a work of art. Uh, she's going to be a huge player to look out for tomorrow. Uh, so I love the first four. And then Bella Sember, I've heard uh, from when I interviewed Dorrance last season, uh, he said that Bella's got one of the best um, shots on the team. And when she walked up, because, and I'll tell a story to round out this episode to explain what it's like to actually shoot a PK. But when Bella shot that ball in the way, like, it looked a little predictable and it wasn't shot as hard. She shot it. I don't want to say scared, but she shot it to not miss. That's what it seemed like to me. Now, I don't know what's going through her head at that point. There's a lot of pressure. It's a kick to win the game, but it did not have as much power as I think it could have. And it was a little more predictably directed, but it was okay because it was still four, four Tessa Delarose with a really good penalty kick. I'd be interested to see her go with into the top five. And then Ruby Grant able to barely sneak it by Ruthie Jones. I mean, that was so close. Maybe like half second earlier for Ruthie Jones and that and that's game over. So huge, huge shout out to Tessa and Ruby for converting under pressure, knowing that if you miss, you lose. And then obviously Emily Moxley, really good PK. People, have, people probably don't remember. Emily Moxley, even though she's playing right back, she is a natural midfielder and forward. She plays. She played on the outside last year. She's a obviously a very gifted passer, but she's got a good shot on her. We've seen her have some very good shots throughout her career here at UNC. And the fact that she's kicking eighth, uh, that's, that's a gift to have in that situation. And she came through in the celebration and the dogpiling. And wow, what an electric moment for this soccer team, beating your rival, sending them home. See you later. Don't want to be ya. And UNC is now going to play tomorrow against Florida State. Now, before I wrap this up, two keys for this game. First off, for UNC, got to strike first. The first game against Florida State, when they, they scored within like the fourth minute, you can't have that. You cannot go into a 1-0 hole. Uh, and they came back in that game. So... They can do it, but it, obviously you you want to, first 20 minutes, you cannot give up a goal. You cannot concede, and you'd obviously love to put one out there. Uh, midfield control is obviously going to be really important. This defense is holding up really well. And then the player that I really want to see step up, because in this Florida State game last time, Allie Sentinor was really the only one to really generate offense, and she generated both goals by causing the PK and that, that amazing goal. So it's, it would be really easy to say Ali Sentinor, but I know Florida State is going to lock in on her and stop her. And you know what this opens up? This opens up Avery Patterson to, to, to get back in the score table because Avery Patterson's got one of the best shots on the team. We saw it um, in that Duke game when she almost had a monster goal with her left foot. She can shoot it from outside the 18. She's always on the ball. I mean, she's all over the place uh, on the field. So active. And I think if you can get her in space... Uh, to get a, to get some shots off, Patterson is your goal scorer to make it happen. I'm predicting that she scores a goal tomorrow and that UNC is going to win this one 1-0. I think it's going to be a very defensive game. I think Avery's going to get one in 
the like around the 65th, 70th minute in the second half. I'll just say to keep it general, and UNC is going to win this one 1-0. That's going to be my score prediction. I think it's going to be a very defensive game. And then lastly, let's wrap this off with a funny story that I have to tell because I've actually been a PK uh, kicker, and uh, let's just say it didn't go so well. So let's set the scene here. We're playing our rivals in high school. Uh, it, we were down 2-0 very early, storm back to make it 2-2. I, uh, in my soccer career, when I played club soccer for like four or five years, I was a right winger. I was a winger. I was fast. I was able to get balls in the box, scored a couple times here and there, uh, but it really used my pace to my advantage. When high school soccer hit, I wasn't getting much playing time at the midfield, midfield spot. And in fact, they're putting me in central midfield, which I'm not really good in the middle or wasn't good in the middle. Uh, when I, when I played soccer, I was always better on the outside. So I asked my coach and I'm just like, Hey, can I, this is freshman year, by the way, can I transition to right back? I think this is a position I could potentially benefit, uh, in for myself and the team. And this ended up to me, uh, I played a game at right back, played really well, became the starting right back for the next year and a half. Uh, because honestly, right back's not that hard, especially the role I was put in. I just had to hold down my flank. Um, and in this, this game at right back, it was one of the best defensive games I've played in my life. Now here's the thing. Obviously, when you play club soccer, you're practicing a lot more, working on your technical stuff, a lot, a lot of your technical skills. And I actually thought I was a pretty good club player. I had, a, I had a, an, uh, I was an okay shooter. You know, I could shoot it a little bit. Uh, nothing, nothing too crazy, but had a couple good goals over my time. But when I switched to right back, I was never shooting anymore. So I probably just forgot how to actually shoot properly. So keep that in mind when uh, we're in a penalty shootout, and the coach asked me to be the eighth penalty kicker when it's. Uh, it was six, six, just like in the UNC game. And I was asked to be the eighth penalty kicker, but, uh, I was in, I was in, and I was in Moxley spot, but the other teams, uh, the other team scored. So it was me and the goalie. If I score, keep the game going. If I lose or if I miss, then we lose. And I go up to this ball. I'm actually really confident. Uh, I don't even want to say too confident. I was actually, I was just normally confident. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to pick my spot and I'm going to shoot it. I said, we're going left. I don't care if it's bottom or top, we're going left. And I ran up to this ball like a football kick. Like we're going for the uprights. And I never really practiced PKs in practice. We probably should have done that. Um, I think I would have done a way different run up because what this caused me to do is I kick it and I lift it up so much and I hit the crossbar of the field goal post. And I lost my team the conference championship in JV soccer because I skied a PK. Now, funny story to tell now, honestly, I think it's hilarious. Uh, I got a little bit memed on uh, the year after because that was, and that was actually my last kick of organized soccer because I wasn't able to play the next season, started broadcasting football games, conflict of interest thing. Uh, but clearly no regrets, but what I want to share, why I wanted to share that story. One, make fun of me a little bit. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> being that spot and just blowing the kick for your team, it happens. But, you know, uh, I actually did. And I it, I always follow up with this, but I uh, had a basketball game winner a month later. So, uh, you know, uh, it goes hand in hand. But I think this story is really funny because Emily Moxley was that eighth kicker as well. And she scored to win it. So the world just came full circle for me. Everything happens for a reason, people. But also, it just really shows how hard it is to be in that spot. One kick to decide the game for all these players. And when Bella missed, it, there's a lot of things you could critique her on and and just say like, oh, it's just so easy. It's just a penalty kick. You're so close. It is so hard being that spot, guys. It is There's so much pressure on you. Uh, you can be the reason you lose the game. And that's why 
I can break it down what I thought, but I'm never going to be hard on a player for missing, especially one of our players for missing a penalty kick because I've been there and I know how it feels. So that's the story I'm going to wrap this up with, but good thing. We're still, we won the game, sent Duke home. We're playing Florida State tomorrow. If you are listening and you are in Chapel Hill, go to UNC or go to UNC, go to carry tomorrow at 12. Be there. Let's, I mean, Florida State's bringing a crowd apparently. So let's ramp up the energy and let's go bring home a championship. Women's soccer team, y'all got it. Big believer in y'all. Let's take it home. That's going to do it today for 125 Unfiltered. Thank you so much for listening. Happy to be back. And I'll speak to you next time.